Accessing archival file reference number 00170. File name reference typical table talk. Prompt apparently sharing weirdest patient I've ever seen or you'll never believe what this idiot did and wound up in the ER stories isn't how most families spend holidays. It's hard to judge reality when mom's a cop, dad's a triage nurse, and you're a spurgic. Sure, I got along with the nipicals, that's a shortened form of neurotypical folks, with a combination of rehearsal and elementary anthropology, but there are just some things you don't know until you get there. Until I got a sleepover at Bobby Dryland's house, I thought all families chatted casually about gruesome murders and tales from the idiot ward. You can imagine my stunned amazement when the Drylands calmly discussed accounting, economics, politics, and plans for next Sunday. 
Mr. Dryland did desk work at some firm, and his stories were about numbers. I can deal with that. Numbers were pretty cool. Mrs. Dryland stayed at home to keep the house orderly and filled the family in on news they missed while they'd been out. That bothered me a little. All politics was was rich white people telling the dwindling middle class that everything was the fault of the poor people while simultaneously begging for more money from both. And most of the news was about what happened when folks realized that this wasn't going to work. Light dawned. These people needed something interesting to talk about. Did you see the crash on the corner of 5th and Main today? I blurted. One of them was a sedan, so that means at least one passenger. I'm willing to bet there was two broken fibs and multiple lacks. The dryland stared as if I'd grown another head that spoke a different language. It eh? Mrs. Dryland said carefully. That's not what polite people talk about at dinner. But Mr. Dryland was talking about his work. I got this one, said Bobby. It took two hours of him trying to explain and me trying to understand. But blood and guts and all the interesting stuff actually puts a lot of nipicles off their food. Weird. And fire. We now commence intermission with a word from the author. Greetings, Assemble Cognizance. I wrote the story or stories you just heard as well as performed it on a relatively cheap headset mic. We all have to start somewhere and this is me, using what I've got. You may have noticed this podcast is now available on more than one podcast sharing service. That availability is thanks to Anchor.fm. Anchor is a free podcast sharing service that allows you, the podcaster, to opt in to any advertising associates at any time. They make their money through the corporations who sign on with them, so they don't need to hit you with ludicrous hosting fees. Anchor can help your podcast reach popular hosts such as Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts with no extra fuss or bother. Anchor.fm. Set sail on your next podcasting adventure. You might be wondering about the reference numbers. I can't read my fanfictions for legal reasons, so I'm skipping all the flash fictions I wrote that were inside someone else's IP. They are still available online for free, which we all prefer as a price tag. I'm doing this podcast for two reasons, the first being accessibility, the other being advertising. I want as many people as possible enjoying my little tales, and providing audio versions of them might just help with that. Likewise, if people can hear my stories, they might just wish to share them with their friends. We have busy lives these days, and coming up with a good book just isn't in the cards for many people. I get it. It's been literal years since I've been able to enjoy the same privilege. Therefore, these half-hour-ish podcasts should help fill some kind of void for someone, somewhere. Hopefully, it's you. If you wish to hear an improvement in audio quality, buy my books, join my Patreon, or just send me a Kofi, then you might want to set your data readers to internutter.org. That's I-N-T-E-R-N-U-T-T-E-R dot O-R-G. There you will find links to every current means I have to get the word out, access to other projects I'm working on, and the fast track to my Patreon and Ko-fi pages. If you like the melodious sound of my voice and wish to hear your business or organization rendered in a semi-Australian accent, then send an inquiry to nutterbutler at gmail.com. That's N-U-T-T-E-R-B-U-T-T-L-E-R at gmail.com. We can negotiate rates.
If you make music and wish to hear it distributed by my newbie podcast, then send a sample and an inquiry and we can take it from there. Keep in mind that I am distributing this podcast for free and am currently making zero dollars out of this affair. Thank you for listening and I hope you stick with me for the foreseeable future. Accessing archival file reference number zero zero one seven five file name reference don't bottle things up bottles can break so easily prompt passive aggressiveness biting your tongue to avoid snarky retorts saying nothing when you should say everything quiet resentment at others criticisms being hidden behind a mask can only last so long. Even the most peaceful and calm spirits among us have a breaking point. So who is it that's ready to blow? Push them over the edge by either words or deeds. Have them let it all out. Rage, scream, bellow, yell accusations and obscenities until the windows rattle, or just break down into on-their-knees tears and sobs that rack the body as everything pent up floods out into incoherent wails and howls of no single specific emotion, but no punching, slapping or otherwise harming others. Would prefer to leave Sarah out of this challenge, that girl's got enough deep-seated psychological issues already without having her be ground zero of a mental volcano going off. Authors note. Sarah's already had one meltdown, and that was a bit of a strain on me, so I will do something rare and tell a version of the truth, how I know why it is unwise to victimize. Society is, by and large, a reflection and an emphasis of the media surrounding it. The instant television took over from radio, appearances became more important than voice. The myth of the poor nobody becoming somebody because of their talent and skill became a lost cause forever. Hierarchy, however, has lasting power. The only difference is what gets one to the top and how others keep those at the bottom. But let's just say fear and move on. In an era just barely into adequate contraception, there are still unplanned children. Sometimes they are happy accidents. Sometimes they are unexpected burdens that turn a double-income household into a single-income family, just barely scraping by. Fear becomes an atmosphere, then. Keep the child healthy. Keep the child fed. Keep the child away from any threat, real or imaginary, because the instant you fail at one thing, the government will come and take it. And the loss of a child instantly leads to the loss of a marriage. And won't they just love it? The old gossips and crones who would laugh and sneer behind your back, call you poor dear to your face, and glory in the schadenfreude that you too are a failure, just as they always said. But that's not the real story. In that family, just scraping by, is the child, living and breathing in fear and unaware of it, just knowing that there are places not to go and things not to do, a clumsy little thing, myopic and asthmatic, dressed perpetually in hand-me-downs and homemade attempts of clothing that a mother who battles with anything that requires an on-switch. 
A child who encounters at school a society based on image and television in colour. We can't afford that. The one we have is working fine. And glossy magazines that cost too much, and especially having good clothes. In such a society, to be a true individual is to soon be a pariah. The true friends are the friends who stay, the ones who may also be pariahs because of an accent, or a wonky eye, or because, just maybe, a kid their age with an imagination that spans a cosmos or three just might be more entertaining than days of our lives. Whatever the reason, those friendships last, even in a time of utter desolation and loss. When the best grandfather in the whole world, a friendly giant in blue overalls and magic, dies in a freak accident. The time of tears passes, but the time of mourning is not over. And when the friends gather for aimless chatter, two of the shallow others come skipping. They are a great distance away, confident that the weedy, asthmatic child cannot catch up to them even if she tried. And they sing. A taunting little tune, usually used for nanny nanny nana and other such childish taunts. But these two have come up with new words that will make the weedy child cry. It's something of a daily pastime. Make that child cry. These two, out of willful ignorance, sing, Kathy's grandfather's dead. Kathy's grandfather's dead. A lifetime's worth of bad feelings formerly caged in propriety and rules, comes out as red-hot rage. There is a scream, the desire for blood and darkness. When the child returns to herself, there is no sign of the ignorant boys. There is a weight on both her arms. Her feet still want to run, claw still at the soil hardened by a thousand feet in cheap cooch grass. When she looks back, she discovers that two friends each had grabbed an arm and held her back. She had dragged them all an entire meter, four times her weight and then some, at least. If her friends had not been there, if she had been a true pariah, those boys, or just one of them, would have died. Ignorant, unthinking, most definitely unknowing children, possibly popular children, had had their lives saved that day from a pariah, by pariahs. There are no words for the terror of herself that settled into her stomach that day. How every attempt by her contemporaries to goad her into an outburst thereafter were colored by that fear, by the knowledge that, given enough rage, she could kill with her bare hands and not know it until she woke up with their blood in her mouth, and the certainty that they were too stupid to know that they were throwing sticks at a wolf. That's a lot to heap on a child. And fire. You will now enjoy a brief musical interlude by Ellipsis Addiction.
Accessing archival file reference number 00188. File name reference. A new drop bear like story. Prompt. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when a device is working improperly, not at all, we speak to them in an attempt to get them working? And have you noticed that some people have a much higher rate of success in doing so, to the point that some devices only work around some individuals, and some other individuals' presence seems to inhibit proper function? For instance, as long as I am present, a lot of my friends' devices function properly. Once I leave, they stop working. They're stuck with the disk in the tray. Their net craps out every few minutes. Stuff is just randomly buggered. One of my friends has the opposite effect, and computers are lucky to last six months with him. Now take that and add human perversity into it. Suddenly, we're telling aliens about machine spirits that have to be kept happy and tech whisperers, along with their opposite tech banes. And the thing is, it seems to have just enough evidence that they aren't sure if we're pulling their legs or not. Humans regarded as tech whisperers have even had their effect seemingly work on alien equipment. Author's Note it is precisely because of my fickle fingers and my best beloved's contrasting technomancy that I created the Nehin, the animist movement culture that actually make working gravity generators. So we must allow this human to board our vessel? This human can hear and understand you, said the little mammal in the black coverall. His head fur was cut close to his skull and thinning in patches. And consider your options. One continue to float. Two, purchase a new ship's heart. Three, allow lowly me to see what can be done. Captain Kadesh leaned over to her second. Is he doing that snark thing? I think this one may be female. This one is waiting, said the human. It was disturbing that Z not only knew enough Pathraki to understand and speak it, but also spoke it perfectly. Definitely snark, thought the captain. Very well, but I must insist that you keep your human insanity tightly contained. We had enough nonsense when the gravity generator was installed in the first place. Nonsense is only nonsense to those who fail at comprehending, said the human. Z glided through the ship with minimal awkwardness, not saying one word about the captain's own lack of adaptability to zero-g. Here it is, Kadesh unlocked the access panel. We made attempts at repair, but... Nothing worked. The human sailed through. That, Captain, is because you think of it as only a machine. Unlike most workers who kept their feet protected by hard boots, the Nahian human wore foot gloves that allowed them to grip projections around what Z called the ship's heart. Very sick. She's very sick indeed. Kadesh restrained herself from violence. I will send a junior to assist you. You will not infect him with your human insanity. I can only promise to offer what must be learned, said the Nahian. Kadesh monitored the procedure, recording it for future reference. And such bizarre questions. How the wind happened in the chamber. How many came to talk to the engine. Who fed it? The machine, said the Nahian, was lonely and needed company. It was scared of being alone. 
Thus, it rejected the perfectly sensible input and output tubes so someone would come and feed and clean it by hand. And that was, in essence, true. Not one techie, no matter how knowledgeable, could get the input and output tubes to stay coupled no matter what they tried. Evidently, company would solve that. The solution was just about fit for a low-class junior male. Come and read it a story once a day and talk to it about anything that came to mind. Talk as if there was someone inside the machine that their eyes saw. Talk as if they were all alone in there and needed company to feel better. Ludicrous, insane, human nonsense. Kadesh ranted about it in her log. An elderly lieutenant heard her and waited her chance to speak. Your pardon, Captain, she said, but I've encountered this like before. Nahin? An offshoot of their people. They call themselves Technomancers. I saw one bring a defunct computer to life by wiggling his fingers and chanting, Work, you bastard, over it. It lasted just long enough to rescue all the data. He told me there were some who could make the impossible possible just by touching a machine. Insanity. Truth, Captain. There is footage in the Omninet. One human performs a set of actions and fails. A second human performs the exact same set of actions on the exact same machine and succeeds. I do not believe in miracles. Humans are the only species to have mastered artificial gravity, Captain. The lieutenant seemed shamed to say it. Perhaps this time their insanity has merit. Kadesh rolled her eyes. Ah, set that junior to do all the tasks that human has outlined. We may as well keep this idiocy contained. The most annoying thing, out of all the annoying things connected to that day, was that they never, ever had another hiccup with the gravity generator. End file. Accessing archival file reference number 00191. File name reference. Time out from that good fight. Prompt. Getting to a point when good enough is really good enough. Insert a banana cream pie anywhere in this story, preferably eaten. Ryle had grown used to working hard. Not just working hard, but working smart, since his rest cycle decreed that his hours of usefulness were limited. He was so used to it that he almost flew into a panic the first morning that the station's freelancer roster was empty. He hadn't woken too late. He had alarms rigged to his heated resting tank that would not let him. Besides, he always managed to achieve consciousness five minutes before they went off anyway. And during his breakfast of overnight slow-baked tucker-tuckers, guib and cheese casserole, he checked the boards as a matter of course. This morning, they were blank. Nothing needed fixing, or even a temporary patch, in his immediate area. Nothing needed fixing through the entire impossible mass of Amalgam Station. Ryle, to whom work went regular meals, and regular meals meant a life without pain, fought to keep calm. Deep breaths did almost nothing for his physiognomy, but it gave him something to concentrate on while he checked the news. Aha! A once-in-lifetimes event was occurring for the entire week. A plethora of galactic calendars had managed to sync up on varying holidays, including one of the famously colourful human ones that always bought in tourist dollar. So, as a result, the entire station was having a week off. A week! 
Rael had long since equated joblessness to starvation and turned completely silver from abject terror at the prospect of a week without a guaranteed meal. A week of his personal accounts being drained by his own biological necessities. And his gaze found salvation. It was also the Geek Harvest Festival. The next thing he knew, he was standing inside the main doorway of Unsuitable Food Eat, staring at Nick as he juggled three orders in four arms. For anyone else who is not a Faiz, Unsuitable Food Eat was just another restaurant. For long haulers between loads, it was a place where you could get a big heaping pile of something they could chew after long weeks of liquid baggies of cheap Nutrifood. Trademark. For Isle and his fellow Faiz, it was almost a place of worship. It sold calories. Deep fried, coated in chocolate and served a la mode. It was almost always hosted and staffed by geeks who shared a reverence of the plate. Nick noticed him and gestured to a stool at the bar. You look under the weather, friend Ryle. Has an illness finally found the indomitable thighs to be tasty? No, I just found out that the entire station is taking a week off. Ah, panic time. Sit. I always have a test or two to taste. Which was why Nick the Geek was one of Ryle's best friends. The archivist shared this ancient Terran recipe. It is called banana cream pie. My own research tells me it is served by assault to the face. I think that's ancient Terran humor, said Ryle. Nick relaxed. Ah, praise Nyom Nom. It seems like such a terrible waste of good food. Ryle rolled his eyes ceilingward and muttered, Humans. And when his gaze returned to the bar, there was a large pie in front of him and a fork by his preferred hand. Blessings, he called to the busy chef. It was delicious. Ral spent the entirety of his meal pondering what kind of insult it was to waste something so tasty. Ah, there you are, said Lear. Auntie Fan Fan saw the boards this morning and sent me to make sure you ain't gone survivalist on us. Ryle laughed. <laughs> you know me, officer. I can always find some work I can enjoy. She smirked. So I see. Are you going to camp here all week or are we going to see you enjoying the Uberfest? Ryle did his best not to read, am I going to have to keep you out of trouble, into that question. Lear worked in security, and security was perpetually obsessed with making sure that they didn't have to work. I thought I might volunteer as crowd control or something else even a techie joke can do. Bodies on the street. Not this week, said Lear. All work and no play makes a joke a dull cognizant. He stared at her. This had to be a human thing. What? You have plenty of savings. What are you saving up for? Every cognizant has the right to time spent enjoying themselves. But I need to. You haven't needed to for a long time, Ryle. You can officially relax. It was like running at a brick wall with a battering ram, only to discover that it was painted paper. The obstacle he had long thought blocking his way with its impossibility was just... not there. I think... He chewed some of the banana cream pie. I might begin with a festival tour train. Good choice, said Leah. Stay legal so I can have some fun too. End fire. You have been listening to Intermission. 
the story audio podcast made logic-free for your entertainment. Introduction and incidental music by Ellipsis Addiction. Stories and performances by C.M. Well, also known as the Internata. Cover art by The Greatest Asswaffle and credited as such by their request. For all further information, set your data readers to I-N-T-E-R-N-U-T-T-E-R dot O-R-G. Intermission. Sponsored by no one. Listened by you.